there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Good evening, sir, and good day to you. I, can you hear me well over there? You're, you're a little further away this time. There does seem to be just a slight bit of an echo, and it probably just is the round trip speed between Lubbock and Dallas. But yeah, I'm out here in Dallas. You sound great, man. You look great. <laughs> ah, well, you know. It's it's a pleasure for you to see me and listen to me. Uh, I hope everybody out there listening is is doing well and they're safe and family safe and everybody is just uh, like us, just hoping that the world turns back to some semblance of normalcy. And even if that semblance is just a little bit of sports, yeah, a little bit of sports. Sports are starting to work their way back to normal. Well. Uh, some level of participation for this season <laughs> and then hopefully return to normal for 2021 season. But we'll talk about all that with basketball because uh, they seem to be the one that's leading the charge in, in, in terms of professional sports, uh, professional team sports. Um, we'll talk a little bit, a little bit baseball. We had the first round of the MLB pl- uh, first player, sorry, first year players draft first round tonight one of five uh and then the mlb scheduling debacle that is a very public airing of dirty laundry between the league and the players association they can't come to a consensus and can't figure out how many games they want to play and for how much money and where they'd even play these games talk about that we'll talk about little league we got our schedule today our updated schedule spoiler alert (laughs) Uh, And then we'll talk some Big 12 football, specifically Texas Tech football, because we are a Texas Tech podcast, right? Yes. Unless COVID's changed that too. Yeah. You know, if if football's no longer around, we'll, uh, we've got other sports. We're we're good. We'll be crypto and Corona podcast. Crypto, Corona, and barbecue oh can't forget about barbecue (laughs) all right for those that want to follow us on the twitter you can follow the show at 23 personnel that's at 23 personnel at punts suck to follow me and at michael underscore lbk for mr mcdonald across the way you can also find us on instagram by searching 23 personnel podcast you can also pick up a 23 personnel podcast t-shirt or hoodie by going to teespring.com slash stores slash 23 personnel podcast. All kinds of great um, designs, colors, mix and match the color to the logo 
Good stuff. I'm not wearing my 23 personal podcast t-shirt today. I did wear it on Tuesday on the drive from Lubbock to Dallas just so I could get exposure for people to see it. They, there you go. Stop and get gas and but hey, make hey sure guys, they see the, see the brand. Hey, check it out. Check it out. I also wore it. I can't remember where it was. Oh, it was our, our little league coaches meeting. I wore it there. I was like, hey, guys, if, if, if you're not listening to 23 personal, you should be. Um, uh, well, I've I've got I've I've got a, a sort of local shirt on too. I've got William Clark Green's Cotton Fest T-shirt, nice from last year, and I'd have one slight complaint is, as you'll see, there's a cotton stripper on this shirt that's green, but yeah. if you look closely, as a certain logo, as a certain brand, it has an International Harvester logo, which is. <laughs> Is not very green. red. <laughs> so <laughs> someone someone took a inter- international harvester cotton stripper picture that they liked and just um, photoshopped it green and hope nobody would notice. And I didn't notice until I got home after I'd bought the shirt because uh, I really like the shirt. Wait a minute. And now now I feel kind of I'm not a like, case oh, man. man. <laughs> yeah. This. Well, this was before the merger, but anyway, um, yeah. That's that's what I'm sporting right now. Yeah. If anyone wanted to know, we're a fashion podcast too. COVID, uh, barbecue, Corona. Wait, I think I said that twice. Cryptocurrency. Crypto, and, uh, Corona, fashion. barbecue, fashion. The fashion comes from our, our roots with sticking the planes for sure. Cause we are first and foremost, a fashion blog over there. Yeah. Just, just happen to enjoy sports, but, uh, really the fashion is what unites us all. The gray with an A, gray with an E debate any kind of great timeless universe. yeah it, it's not something that it's like taco burrito it's just it's one of those things that will live on uh before we, it's a hot dog a sandwich sorry yes, i interrupted yes it is um same thing with a taco really but before we we get into basketball i like to take a second to talk about armchair uh which is our our media sponsor our uh, our host our network there's the name um yeah, so I like to take take a second talk about Armchair and twenty three personnel title sponsor BetOnline.ag with sports coming back like NASCAR, UFC, and golf. BetOnline has hundreds of games and events to bet on. Make sure to sign up before the NBA and MLB come back, which should be soon, later this summer. BetOnline will have or has live and simulated sports as well as a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge you can enter for free. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device to check out the action. BetOnline is your online wagering solution. Now, Michael, let's yes. let's talk some, bas- some basketball. I mean, I can't talk tonight. Here comes Stevenson. Spins. With a three, good! What a shot, Kyler Edwards! Ready, double into three, going to puts it down! Ready. Odia 
Shot clock down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Good! Culver got the separation. Oh, big shot. Step it up big time. Dagger. Culver with the dish. Odiasse! And one. He can tie it at the line. That's it. There's a new member. Leading off, I, I think some some breaking news. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only fourteen ninety-five. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. That came out, what was this, Monday afternoon? Um, Texas Tech announced that there were a number of positive COVID-19 cases on the men's basketball, well, inside the men's basketball program. It didn't specify number of players versus number of staffers. Um, I think total was nine or 10, but add Texas tech to the growing list of programs that do have student athletes that tested positive for the coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, all from all reports seem to be doing all right. Well enough to, avoid hospitalization. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's one of those things where you start bringing people back together. It's a possibility. Sure. Sure. Of course. And, and it, I think we mentioned this, the last podcast, I, I just can't think of a way that this could completely be avoided for a team. I mean, there's just so many things that you do together and pieces of equipment you interact with together. That's that you're just not going to be able to disinfect or, or clean properly, probably, you know, from weights to possibly water bottles. I'm sure they're doing everything they possibly can, but it just still seems like a, an impossible task to be quite honest. So it's, it's going to, I mean, there, there are going to be outbreaks throughout this whole season. And I just wonder what's going to happen if these outbreaks occurred during a season of whatever sport. Yeah. You, you, you would hope that like, if you're going to have this kind of thing happen within your program, that it happens before competition starts, um, that you can kind of, work your way through this, recover, get on the backside of, you know, a in-program outbreak and then kind of be ready to go for the summer, for the spring, I'm sorry, for the season. 
instead of have this pop up in the middle of, you know, let's say like week two of the season, you're like, okay, now we've got eight players in the roster that have to isolate for two weeks. You've got a roster of 13. What are you going to do? Yeah. Or even, you know, we've got a, we've got an equipment manager that's tested positive and what, what now do, do we as a team self isolate? I mean, how does, that's going to be a solid verbal, which is a podcast you've turned me on to. They, uh, over the last couple of years, they had a good podcast. Oh, probably a month or so ago, kind of going into these what if scenarios and that there's no real clear answer. And there's, you know, the, I don't think it's up to the NCAA to come up with an answer. You know, some schools won't be able to afford testing as much as others. And, you know, like you said, what happens if you've got a 15 man roster and you've got 11 of them sick, but you know, okay, we've, we can only take so much doom and gloom at this point. <laughs> so we just got to carry on like, okay, they'll figure it out. It'll be okay. Um, but anyway, it's, it's an interesting kind of thought process to, to go through and try to put yourself in someone's shoes in, in October or November trying to figure this out. Yeah. And it's one of those things that like just another piece of the roster puzzle that Chris Spears gonna have to juggle, you know, like as yep. the team's coming back and so many people within, within the program, not, not just players, but they're going through treatment and isolation, all that kind of stuff. You know, how you run practices and meetings and, uh, just go, go through all that while also navigating, Hey, you know, half my program is sick right now. Sure. Yeah. Also, are we waiting for the other half of the program to get sick because we've been in contact with them? It's yeah, I don't know. Um, so some other news that came out on Tuesday, lady Raider basketball, um, former player, on the 1993 NCAA champion team, Noel Johnson passed away. Uh, she was 47. She died from ovarian cancer. Yeah, very young. Uh, the The lady basketball Twitter account tonight replayed the entire 93 national championship game. Uh, she was the point guard during that stretch uh during that championship team she played all four years at tech from 91 through 95 and something that really um stuck out to me with regarding her play was she shot 41 percent from three-point range for her entire career i saw that that's that's an insanely efficient yes and then the and then even in, in her senior year i guess it's her senior year she shot 51 percent during the 94 95 season (laughs) but um uh, imagine hitting half of all of your threes no not at all i i can't even think of a world where that would happen but she was um excellent player great coach uh inducted into the southwest conference hall of fame and also the texas high school basketball hall of fame texas tech hall of fame and she also spent 12 years at Midwestern State and became the winningest program coach in their history. Um, 
just a just big a loss for for the program. I know that Hocut and Coach Sharp and Coach Stallings all had statements uh, regarding this, and I just you know you hate to see any sort of bad news like this and someone this young um, and their family having to deal with, with all of this. So anyway, that is sad is from the basketball side of things. Yeah. If you want to read more about that, the story is on texastech.com. Um, like I said, it was posted on the ninth. So on Tuesday, um, Don Williams also had a really good write up in the, in the AJ. And I think that was today, which is Wednesday. The 10th. Um, so Jemias Ramsey, um, getting ready for the NBA draft, uh, still, still on the schedule that it has moved. Uh, the NBA draft has been moved back, but the NBA does have a pretty good schedule set for their return. Um, they're going to be out there in Disney world, taking over the parks doing some games some gamage um but the the draft projection for ramsey uh currently projected first round pick number 20 to the bucks uh and then one thing i I wanted to point out just make sure everybody knows this that as a a freshman true freshman played one game or one year excuse me um he is slotted nine spots ahead of Kansas guard Devon Dotson. Nine spots ahead. That may put him on the second round. So he would be number 29 and there are 30 picks in the first round. Um, Oh, okay. Maybe the lottery picks. I was just thinking there's only 28 teams, right? Yeah, but there anyway, it, it, it does show 30 picks in the first round. Okay. Okay. So Dotson, uh, it did say he, he did have, have an injury this year. Um, but no, sorry. He was 28, 20, 2018, 2019 was his freshman year. So I guess this was his sophomore season. Yes. He would have been a sophomore this year. That's why he, he's a little more f- familiar. Anyways, Kansas guards always seem to garner a lot of attention. He's projected to go number 29. Two years at Kansas where Ramsey had one year at Tech at number 20. What's well, because Tech is a is a basketball school. Yeah, and so I I forgot to include it in the notes because I'm, I'm just super awesome about this, but there was also some NCAA basketball news that came out on Friday. Oklahoma State had their their findings from their big uh, FBI investigation case um, where they got hit with uh, a pretty hefty fine, uh, some scholarship reductions, a postseason ban for this upcoming season. Um, And this was in connection to one level one violation. Uh, They haven't announced anybody else's, but Kansas has five level one violations they're looking at. So if this is... Like so, I, I think Oklahoma State lost two scholarship players over a two-year span. So I think they're they're gonna, you know, you drop one player each year. So instead of having thirteen scholarships, they'll have twelve. They lost some recruiting windows. Um, 
and visit windows. And without knowing the specifics about it, I don't know how severe those were. It didn't like reading it out. Like they missed out on like a week of on-campus visits and a week of, um, contact visits like on the phone or whatever. Um, the scholarships I think are, are bigger piece and then definitely the postseason ban. Um, but if this is the precedent that the NCAA is setting for one violation, what does Kansas's punishment look like? Who was, you know, reported to have five. Yeah. You would think that they would build off of this. Who knows what they'll actually do. Can they get a five-year postseason ban and ten scholarship reductions and basically no recruiting window? Because that yeah, would be fantastic. I, I wonder if they could just yeah just multiply it out. <laughs> just yeah, it's it's linear, right? So if this is what we had for one, <laughs> let's multiply it by five. That's what we're gonna hand Kansas. Yeah, this is exactly how. Yeah, it's super. It's a super logical connection. <laughs> it's essentially the death penalty wall was to still allow them to compete. So, yeah, it's um, hey, you, it's like you're walking the mile. You're going to have to field a basketball team with three scholarships and no recruiting window. And you can't make any kind of postseason ban or postseason tournament for five years. Good luck. <laughs> it'll, no. They'll be fine. Yeah. So I, I have no idea what, what that's going to look like. We still haven't heard. It's been now. This is day four since they announced the OSU findings or not the findings, but the OSU punishment. OSU was appealing, saying that they had dealt with the the matter internally. They had fired the the staff person that was basically overseeing all this. Um, so the scapegoat's gone. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, that one guy is, is fired. Now the other thing that that brings up some questionable things with Oklahoma State is they hired the older brother of the number one recruit as a assistant coach. Don't tell me they landed that recruit. Oh, they certainly did. Um, oh, what? Get out of town. But here's the thing. So this, now this number one recruit, I don't think he's going to be eligible for the G league this year, but he's on a team now that cannot compete in a, any kind of postseason tournament. Does this number one recruit say, you know what? Uh, really the the exposure you know and in terms of getting to a tournament is really what's gonna i mean it's gonna just be icing on the cake for what should be a a good season for for me i'm i'm gonna seek playing time elsewhere which would be just hilarious to see osu get punished for shady recruiting and then not even get to play the player that this was kind of surrounding yeah, I mean that that could happen. That could that could easily happen. I don't know. <laughs> I would be I would be um, a, a very smug fan if I saw that actually happen. It, yeah, I, I would. I would just you know you just hate to see it, but I'd be there. You for really it. do. Um, sorry. So going back to the NBA, the league, the association set to return July 31st. So just about six weeks from now, return to play with 22 teams and then their draft would start. What's that? The end of August. Well, that's the lottery. 
Okay, they'll just do sorry. the lottery um, because so, I guess the playoffs will have progressed far enough to where they'll know who the quote unquote worst teams are. And so they'll put, I forget how they do that, but I think it's the bottom eight teams or the bottom six or five or whatever. And then they, uh, they put them in the lottery for the number one draft pick. I don't see why that'll, so that, why that'll take place there. Why they don't just give it to the worst team. Well, that's how the Spurs wind up with Tim Duncan, so I can't complain. Well, because like th- th- there's been some some controversy and some drama surrounding like the actual lottery process in the past. Like, just I mean, maybe it helps eliminate teams tanking on purpose. Like, we're just gonna just shoot for the, the worst record to get the number one pick the next year, so you don't have like, yes. several teams throwing games. You're right. That that is the exact theory behind it. Is oh, that makes sense? Yeah. I mean, the worse you are, the more the more balls you get in the lottery thing. But the you there's know, still a chance that's that that's really what it's for. Yeah. yeah. All right. That makes sense. As somebody that doesn't super closely follow the NBA, um, but yeah. So their their schedule says they with the with the uh, the playoffs and everything, the finals could go no later than October twelfth. The draft would be a few days later, and I think they would be picking back up again, like in December for the next season. So they would get a little bit of a later start, um, only get like six weeks off before they turn right back around and get pretty close to back on a normal schedule. Well, I would, you know, what are your thoughts? I know you're not huge in the NBA, but I think we've talked about this before. The uh, four or five years ago. I think they had the uh, the big collective bargaining deal with the Players Association, and they started the season late and had a shortened season, and they started it in December, and I think they started it on Christmas Day or right around that time, mm-hmm. and I thought that was great, I because I mean I'm I'm all for a shortened season. These guys play plenty of games. Um, it's, and it's tough and it's, it's easier to travel a little bit, but I would be all for a shortened season that starts in December. I don't, I don't think a lot of people would be against that aside from probably the people directly making money off the NBA and the number of games they play. Yeah. So the, with this proposal, this plan, the 20, the 2021 season would start December 1st. So they would have exactly six weeks off from the draft. The end of the playoffs, if it goes the full length because of like if every succeeding round goes as long as it needs to, or, you know, as long as it can, and it pushes back the start of the next round, you know, the, the finals could run to the middle of October. And then you get a short recovery window, vacation window. And right back at it. So, I mean, I, I mean, I just like the idea of uh, imagine this. Of course, this isn't going to happen because baseball screwed the pooch. But imagine the possibility of having uh, baseball playoffs, basketball finals and football all in the same month. You would have a scheduling just <laughs> cluster. And I don't mean cluster as in like the shortened ver- you know, word of just a disaster, but like yeah, you'd have 
like an MLB playoff game one night, NBA playoff game the next night, and then NFL weekend. Like it would be drinking from the fire hose of sports content, <laughs> meaningful sports content. Because like late season baseball, potentially you know playoffs, probably playoffs at that point. End end playoffs of of basketball. Um, getting down, you know, you're probably two thirds of the way through the NFL season at that point, assuming it starts on time. Um, lots of good stuff all happening at the same time. It'd be it'd be a great time to be a sports fan. Yeah, as, as it will I'm, be anyway. Even with baseball not being involved, I just can't imagine. Well, it, the fact that I, I may get to watch like Game Seven of the NBA Finals. On you one know, screen, the night after I watched an <laughs> an awesome Chiefs game or, or something. There's there's just a weird area that we're going in, and this could be like just gold mine of content for places like a sports bar that has multiple multiple screens. Like we've got all the games tonight. You don't have to pick a game you need to watch. We'll have them all up. Um. You don't have to flip back and forth. You don't have to record one and watch it after the game. It's all up. Watch yeah, all have six devices time. going at once and <laughs> really testing your bandwidth capabilities. Yeah. Um, all right, one more thing. Before we move on to baseball, really interesting news regarding the number one recruit in the 2021 college basketball recruiting class, Jonathan Kaminga, younger brother of Texas Tech basketball player, Joel and Tomboy. He has officially reclassified the 2020 recruiting class. So he's moved up a year. He graduated early, um, about a week ago, graduated from his prep. Um, and then leading up to this, he released a top five. Four of them were colleges, and the fifth one was G League. The latest I was we were hearing from recruiting experts were it was basically down to Texas Tech or the G League. And then I saw this tweet this morning, uh, Wednesday morning, from an account called Ridiculous Upside, uh, it's, which is at Ridic Upside, R-I-D-I-C Upside. This is a uh, an account that covers the G League much like Staking the Plains covers Texas Tech Athletics. The tweet reads, Via the G League's website, players must be 18 years old by September 15th of the year that they'll play in the G League to sign a select contract. Now, that's the part I don't know about how... Like, how how universal is that select contract? Does that apply to everybody that plays? Um, who who signs a select contract? Anyways, Jonathan Kaminga, this go back to the tweet, won't turn 18 until three weeks later on October 6th. So he may not be old enough to play in the G league this year. And if that's the case and the G league doesn't, you know, do one kind of, some kind of exception or rule change considering all the things that's gone on, which is possible. Um, the possibility of Kaminga going to college is, seems like it went way up when this little nugget was uncovered. Right. And, you know, we have to keep reminding everybody that Joel and Tomboy is his half brother who's on the team. 
and will be eligible this season. Finally. <laughs> Thanks. To you thank you. Thank you. NCAA. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a definite, I mean, it's, it's not just, you know, a pipe dream to think that he may land in Lubbock and play at least a year for tech, especially at this point, especially with the offer of not being, I mean, you know, not being able to even make a, a, a select, contract uh within the time frame and just so you know i, I kind of did a quick google so this is my this is really great stuff but the nba g league select contract it's uh offered to elite players who are eligible for nba g league but not yet eligible for the draft so that was why he was given that before i believe the it's a hundred twenty five thousand dollar salary for the five month season, it's accompanied by year long opportunities. Um, let's see. This is a relatively new thing. I think they just started it last year. So, like contracts will beginning twenty nineteen to twenty. Um, there is no maximum age for a player to sign a like a select contract, but he cannot have gone through an NBA draft proje- uh, process. So. Remind me again. This said that this said this was for for players to be eligible. They would have had to be old enough to enter the G League, but not old enough to go into the NBA because they have a certain number of time outside of school that they have to be right. I think so. Um, so it, it seems like like I, yeah. th- they created this little window saying, "Hey, for those." that want to play professionally, um, you know, we're, we're, we're creating this opportunity. Kaminga may fall in this very small subset of people that it doesn't actually cover and help get into the G league. He may, his, he may only be able to go to, he may only be able to go to college or possibly play overseas. Well, yeah. And, and players that sign, to a select contract will be eligible for the NBA draft following their year in the G league. So he will be eligible, you know, if he played at tech or the G league, he'll be eligible either way next year. And let's see what, what else do they say? Um, I mean, obviously he can make money however he wants. If he goes with the G League, he'll be paid 125 grand. Just boom, that's his salary. Um, but he can kind of do stuff, use his likeness, unrestricted. You know, he's a professional. So that's definitely got an allure. Um, but there's a chance that because he's still to, to be in the NBA, it's not like the major leagues or something. It's not like you can get quote unquote called up. He would still have to go through the no matter what to land on an NBA squad. Yeah. Cause we're seeing guys like uh LaMelo ball do that. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're going to be playing with teams that are associated with NBA teams and coaches and you know, you're going to have a connection to people who will know who you are once draft time comes around. And you'll likely be playing a little bit higher level of competition in the G league versus college because you'll have games like if he was at Texas Tech where they're playing North Carolina A&T or something 
Yeah. And that's not the same as taking on the, the Suns G League squad. Yeah. And, you know, the the NBA, I'm just judging this based off of what I've seen them actually do. Once you're in the NBA, the teams have the right to put you on a G League. Let's say you got injured or something. I know that Tony Parker was on, I think it's the Austin Spurs. Is this uh, what it, what, what, you what know, it, while he was kind of rehabbing. Is this what a two-way player is? Where they can go up, back and forth? I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure how it works. I don't know how the legal part of it works, but I know that uh, you know Zaire Smith's done that. You know, he's played. He would play in G League games, and then all of a sudden, he'd be in an NBA game all within a matter of the same week or two. So there's. I'm sure there's a certain contract you could sign or something you'd have to agree to for that. But uh, that just goes back to what you're saying: is that he will be playing against really great competition, and occasionally it might be you know, a guy who's played several games in, in the, in the NBA and, or who's, you know, just kind of getting developed or had a rehab issue. And anyway, it seems like they can go back and forth, but I don't know the legal aspects of it. All right. Here's some, uh, quick Google searching for a two way contract. NBA teams may have up to two players under the NBA two way contracts who will spend the bulk of their season with the NBA G league and not more than 45 days with the with their NBA team. Two-way players are paid a corresponding daily amount based on the number of days they play in each league. Only players in their fourth NBA season or earlier are able to sign two-way contracts, which can either be for one or two years. So yeah, they, they can play in both leagues in one season, um, but they're limited to how much time they can actually spend with the NBA but they would be paid corresponding to whichever league they're in on those days. So you wouldn't be, oh, and you, you wouldn't be getting your, your G league contract for days you're in the NBA and vice versa. And surprise, I don't think I had my facts right with Parker. I think he only practiced with the G league team. I don't think he actually played with them. No, but that's still kind of a weird gray area. So anyways, Kaminga, your maybe your chances have gone up to land him. Maybe this also means that the other colleges are going to be, get a lot more scrutiny or uh, consideration than before. He may be he may pull those four colleges back in together and, and more closely evaluate those. Um, but if we hold to what we were told earlier that it was down to the G League and Texas Tech, and G League looks like it may be out. As a Texas Tech fan, you may feel pretty good about your chances of landing the number one recruit for the 2021 class and have him join Micah Peavy, Namari Burnett, Kyler Edwards, Joellen Tomboy, Marcus Santos Silva, all kinds of uber-talented players. Yep. Which means even more roster juggling. But I do think uh, with Moretti per- announcing and with the assumption that uh, Benson is not on scholarship, you do have one spot left available for this upcoming season. So um, then finally, before we move on to baseball, we had touched on a possible, some possible uh, tr- other transfers 
uh, from around the country, namely guard AJ Walker from the Air Force, Utah guard both Gack and St. John transfer LJ Figueroa. Michael, have we heard anything about any of these players? I have not, and I wanted to see if you had. Nope. Or not. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the Mac McClung stuff came through right as these guys were, their names were being, you know, used a lot around the program. So I don't know if him coming through affected things just because of the scholarship count. I don't know if how Beard, is, how confident Beard is in nabbing Kaminga. So, no, I haven't heard a thing. Yeah. An article posted 10 hours ago says, uh, I mean, he, both Gak or however you pronounce his name, um, there's a possibility he may return home to Minnesota and play for the Gophers. So that's a thing. Um, but like I said, past that, haven't really heard anything from any of those guys. Um, and I think mainly because everybody's attention, at least for Texas Tech, we're looking at um, the possibility of landing Kaminga. So, Michael, you have anything else for basketball before we move on to the best sport, baseball? No, I'm just very excited about getting to watch some some playoff basketball. That's coming up soon, man. July 31st. I'm ready, man. I'm ready. I'm probably going to watch more playoff basketball this year than I have in the last like three combined. Yep. Same probably, which, you know, not much for me, probably, you know, a handful of games <laughs> would put me over the, the threshold of more than I've watched in previous years. But Hey, if the Mavericks are in it, I'll watch. They're in it. And I'll probably be watching too, because I, I was very late getting on the Luca bandwagon and then of course all this happened so i i I didn't get to watch him much (laughs) luca he's so good all right let's let's take a a second here and talk about some college nope just baseball in general left field well struck desloni picks it up on a bounce he's racing for second throw out in second So I think the biggest news that I want to touch on really quickly, at least for the college game, this is a a tweet. Oh my gosh. A teat. Yep. That's where we're at so far. (laughs) A tweet that came out from Kendall Rogers of D one baseball that the NCAA approved a relief package for the 2020, 2021 academic year. 
what does that mean? He was he touched on three specific points uh, that would be in effect for this upcoming baseball season. Uh, some of them we kind of thought about and considered. Others, I, I had no idea what it was. I, I had to ask a resident college baseball ex- expert, Keith, to help figure that out. So three points are first, the 35 man roster cap will be lifted. There'll be no limit to players in the roster, um, which isn't as like free for all as it sounds, but also it is a big, like it does open up to you get some crazy things happening. Um, Because remember Texas tech had four or five draft eligible players this year. Uh, two of those are seniors that can choose to come back. And then their signing class has 26 players in it. So normally you, you sign a big class, you go through the fall camp, uh, you go through fall ball and you dwindle your roster down, uh, you know, in, all the way up into opening weekend when you finally get down to 35 players. You may not have to say goodbye to 26 players you know, if you bring in that full class, you'd be like, yeah, we're going to roll with a 61 man roster. Well, is, wasn't that something that's kind of been discussed for a while? I, I, that was, that was already decided, but maybe it was just thrown around and they hadn't officially decided that. Cause I know that we talked about that and how that could affect recruiting and, you know, just the number of, of teams. You know, maybe not, maybe I'm getting it confused with, I think it was the fact that seniors get was, another year of eligibility and they don't count against your roster. Yeah. And was, then they've upgraded that to where you you just, okay, unlimited roster. Good luck. Yeah. I, I, I believe the thing we talked about most was the possibility for them, for seniors that have exhausted their eligibility to stand for one right. more season without it hurting or counting against the team. Um, which for tech, I think was three players, but then I I, th- I think we kept pointing to like TCU that had nine or ten seniors, which is a big disparity between those two teams. You know, you go from a a thirty eight man roster to TCU rolls in with forty five players. Um, so this is one of those things where uh, you have a big recruiting class. Excuse me, you got a, a big recruiting class. You have just a very small handful of draft eligible prospects on an abbreviated draft schedule. You've only got the five rounds, 160 players um, instead of the 40 rounds this year. And then possibly the NCAA saying, Hey, you don't have to cut your roster down to 35 for the 2021 season. Um, you know, Texas tech may be able to, to field a 60 man roster. Not where you're going to put those guys. No idea. Um, and is it, is it likely that that, Dialogue's going to field a 60 player team. Probably not, but there's no reason for him to cut people unless they absolutely cannot contribute. And it's more of, Hey, you won't be playing here. It's very unlikely that you would see time. If you want playing time, let's, let's find you a new place. Yeah. Yeah. One of those things that we we talked about with Keith, with the, the, super large recruiting class. Like how, how's that going to work out? Cause college baseball recruiting is so difficult because so many players that are good enough to be recruited to top D one schools 
are also good enough to be drafted and drafted high enough that they would just skip college altogether. So you kind of have to sign huge classes to, to kind of hedge against that. But now, well, you and now the draft is so much shorter. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's what, five rounds instead of a thousand. <laughs> there's five rounds this year instead of 40. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's point one of this package that, that we saw about point two was that the annual counter increased from 27 to 32. This is one of the points I had to ask Keith for clarification, what that means. So what the annual count is referring to is the number of players that can receive scholarship money. So currently before this goes into effect, but let's just take Texas tech. For example, you can have 35 players on, on your roster up to 27 of them can be receiving some form of financial aid. That number is going to increase to 32 going forward. You can have 32 players on your roster receiving financial aid instead of 27. The other thing that goes hand in hand with this is the third point um, is that the NCAA has previously required that if you're going to give a student athlete in baseball financial aid, they had to be receiving at least a 25% scholarship that requirement would be dropped for this year. So you can spread out your limited number of scholarship dollars to the 32 players and you don't have to give them 25%. So you can still give players like big key players, more scholarship dollars. You can offer them more to get them, you know, entice them to be on campus or stay with you or to sign with you. Um, but you don't have to be held to at least 25%. You can give players less than that, which could also help bring a player on, on campus because maybe before this would have been a player that, hey, you know, we just don't have enough scholarship dollars to give you anything. But now it's like, hey, we can give you a 10% scholarship, which is better than nothing. And it may be enough to like, you know, I can work with that or whatever. Yeah, and, and that could be something that, I mean, Maybe in another school, they won't. They won't do that. And, and if Tech's able to, okay, well, this other school is going to give me nothing, but Tech's going to give me 10%. All right, I'll go to Lubbock. Mm-hmm. So um, those three things. Now, from the way that it read, it looks like these these things were going to be in place for next season. Um, I have to double check, make sure that wasn't a, hey, this is a – it's projected to be, or this is on the table for vote. Um, the way it was phrased by Kendall Rogers was that this is what's going to be. Let me just really quickly look it up. Yeah, because that, I mean, that changes a lot. The the only thing that's not great about all this is it's good that you can spread the money around a little bit more, but I don't think the money is going up. No, yeah. So that's one point I want to touch on. It looked like you're still going to be held to your total 11.7 scholarships, which is a weird number and how they came to. I'm not sure. But if you were to pool all your scholarship money together, you could give out theoretically 11 full scholarships and 70% of another scholarship. Um, that's where you get your 11.7. But you can take that 11.7 and distribute it now between 32 players. Um, it doesn't have to be evenly or anything like that. But um, 
sorry, I'm still scrolling through. It, it, it's it's difficult because he was super active with the uh, um with the draft as well. So I still got some rolling, some scrolling. The um, SEC proposed increasing the scholarship total from 11.7 to 13.7 for next year, uh, but it was not passed as a separate piece away from the other two proposals. Okay, here we go. Uh, this is from 10 hours ago today on the th- on the 10th. Breaking the NCAA Division I committee for legislative relief has given D1 baseball relief. Includes for the 2021 academic year, 35-man roster cap lifted, annual counters increased from 27 to 32, and the 25% scholarship minimum eliminated for one year. So it's a done deal. That's what it looks like. Yeah, there, there's no... Man, there's the, no, the 13.7 would have made a more of a difference than spreading around... Putting more money in pockets, but it's the same piggy bank. I don't know. Well, did um, it looks like you got some Major League Baseball news to get to, but before before we get to that, I would like to take a second to talk about Armchair. Armchair is the guys who host us, and they grab sponsors for us, and they help us pay the bills and keep the lights on so that y'all can listen to our lovely thoughts on your Texas tech Raiders. And they are officially 23 personnel's title sponsor, uh, shared with BetOnline.ag. with NASCAR UFC and golf coming back. Bet online has hundreds of games and events to bet on. Make sure to sign up before the NBA and hopefully the MLB come back later this summer. Uh, they've, they have live and simulated sports as well as a $10,000 Madden bracket challenge. I have some friends that are awesome at Madden. I was never one of them. I've never been good at any football game. And the only football game I ever bought was uh, NCAA 2010 because it had Crabtree on the cover. I probably played it three times. Um, but anyway, uh, you can enter that $10,000 Madden bracket challenge for free. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or your mobile device. Check out the action. BetOnline is your online wagering solution. Yeah, so we were going to talk about um, MLB now. The first round of the MLB draft was this evening. Um, We had a couple players, Texas Tech players, that were eligible to be drafted. Unfortunately, neither in the first round or the... Um, oh, I can't remember what they call it. The compensatory. What is, what is this called? The little additional draft picks they give at the end of the round. Anyways, um, mainly you're looking at a guy like Clayton Beater, uh, who has been projected to go maybe as high as the 20th pick. He did not, he was not drafted tonight in the first round. Uh, just much more likely now that he will be drafted tomorrow. Um, so some interesting things. I, I don't know how, how closely anybody follows the MLB draft, but um, when we were talking about just all the changes that were going to happen in terms of roster sizes for colleges going forward, what that would look like for high school players getting drafted 
And what we saw tonight was that the draft went the furthest it's ever gone before selecting a high school player. And it's going to sound ridiculous when I say that a high school player was taken eighth overall. But that's the latest in the draft a high school player has ever been drafted. That is ridiculous. So you had seven college players go first before you got your first high school player. And even then, um, the draft is, I would say, fairly um, heavily weighted towards college, at least in in this first round. And I think it's because with only five rounds, you don't have a lot of room to take on projects or guys that could project into development. Um, you got to be pretty sure about them, especially in round one. So you guys got like Spencer, Tor- Spencer Torgelson from Arizona state. He went number one overall Heston Kerstad, who you saw last year in the college world series. He played for Arkansas. He went number two. He had a couple pitchers go back to back Max Meyer from Minnesota and then Asa Lacey from A&M. Austin Martin from Vanderbilt, Emerson Hancock from Georgia, Nick Gonzalez from New Mexico State. You've seen him a few times. He was a senior there. Um, and then you got to your first high school player. Um, trying to see if any, any of these guys on here that you would have played. Uh, Reed Detmers from Louisville. Um, you would have seen him when you when you made the trip out there, not this season, but the season before. Um, did you play Mississippi State this year? I think you did. Yes, pretty sure there was a two-game series. Yeah, so the Rangers took a Mississippi State second baseman, uh, Justin Foscu, number 14 overall, Duke Bryce Jarvis. I don't remember if you, if you guys remember him from Super Regionals last year. Not Super Regionals, uh, two years ago. Um, Cade Cavalli, the starting pitcher from Oklahoma. He went 22nd overall to the Nationals. Let's see. I think that would have been oh, Bobby Miller from Louisville. Let's check out this other round. Mississippi State, the middle infield partner to the, the guy that the Rangers drafted. Just Jordan Westberg went to the Orioles. Um, Nick Lofton, the catcher, sorry, the shortstop from Baylor, went to the Royals. Um, there's a, a high school player from Lano, Yano High School, Justin Lang, Woodlands High School down there in the Houston area, um, and Arizona State. Yeah, so they, they had a couple guys play, uh, a couple players drafted. Um, yeah. So be on the lookout tomorrow, uh, subsequent rounds for potential Red Raiders having their names called, uh, Clayton Beater, John McMillan, those kind of guys. Um, but even if they get drafted, they still got to figure out what the schedule is going to look like, season's going to look like. This has been one of the more visible an ugly negotiation process as I remember seeing in a long time, the league and the players association can't seem to get on the same page. They've gone back and forth many times on 
proposals and counter proposals and all that kind of stuff. The latest, um, I believe is the latest was from last night. Yesterday, the players submitted an 89 game season, full prorated salary and expanded playoffs proposal back to the league. That, that number of games has gone from 50 to 114 to 70 something in the eighties. Now it's like 89. So I, I think probably getting pretty close to the number of games. However, the longer the nego- negotiations go on, that number can start to go back down. Probably one of the big sticking points obviously is the players want to be paid uh, for all their games that they'd be playing in. Whereas other proposals from the league or from the owners would do a percentage of a prorated salary. So what that means like, one of the ones I saw was like a 75% prorated salary, which would mean, let's say that they, they, they agreed on a 100-game season. They would be paid basically 75% of what a 100-game season would have paid them. So that they'd be paid for 75 games instead of the 100. Um, just a little bit way uh, way for the owners and the team's organizations to save a little money because of obviously going to be a shortened season. Um, all the things that could be going on with reduced um, ticket sales, concessions, attendance, all that kind of stuff. Players obviously want to be paid the full amount for the games because that's not changing for them. Um, games can still be broadcast, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, it's been very visible. <laughs> it's it's a mess. Everybody's kind of pointing at the the. At, Major League Baseball and saying that's how we like that's not how we want to negotiate and figure out how we're going to do our season. Uh, it just keeps going back and forth. But some of the pieces of the proposals that looks like both sides are are actually agreeing on. Um, one of them, which is like really interesting to me, but the list includes like extensive health and safety protocols for players and team personnel. I think everybody's on the same page. Like that's something that we need to do. Uh, naturally larger rosters but going up to a potential 30 player roster and then a 20 player taxi squad so players that could go back and forth um essentially be able to cover players that test positive or get sick or whatever you've got some added depth there one thing that i saw that i was really interested in but also like I kind of like the national league being a little bit different is that they, they could adopt a universal DH. So both leagues would play with, with a DH um, and pitchers would stop having to get up and bat. Um, they, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of for this idea, but I'm with, I'm torn a little bit cause I'm like you. I like that. There is, there is sort of a difference. <laughs> it's one of the few, prof- I don't, I don't know. Maybe the only professional sport, in America at least where one league has a very distinct rule that's different from the other. Yeah. And then that, um, if there's interleague play that the hosting league goes by their rules. So like if you have an American league team playing in a national league park, they're playing national league rules. So the American league pitcher will have to bat and vice versa. If a national league team is playing in an American league park, they have to play with a DH. Which is yeah, easier, there's, there's nothing like that in the like a AFC versus NFC or right. East versus West in the NBA. There's there's nothing like that that's that is kind of unique to baseball and 
I, I guess it makes it more fair, but man, it, I could see how that makes things a lot more interesting too. Like imagine if the NFC had like the original sudden death overtime rules and the AFC was oh, like, yeah, let's do the, uh, the, you know, fourth and 10 or fourth and 15 from the, you, you know, you're on 25. It's like, or even the current rules where it's like first one to score a touchdown wins or if you kick a field goal, then the others, you know, yeah. even that that's, that's different too. Yeah, it, it's it's mm-hmm. wild that like it's, it's minor, but also kind of like a big deal with people that have just grown up watching and baseball's like, you got diehard national league fans that are like, no, like all players, all position players have to bat. It adds to the strategy and uh, the game where you got to, you know, especially late later in games when you've got, role pitchers that are coming in that they'll have like a double substitute yeah. and they'll move players around and it's wild. Um, and then you got the, the, the American league is like, but you're just wasting a, a spot in your batting order. <laughs> you're, you're giving up like, like the American league batting orders are much heavier loaded because you, you, you're replacing a pitcher who probably has a batting average sub 100 with a DH that probably has a plus 300. Anyways, uh, a yep. couple of points, regional schedule to reduce travel. Uh, so like a team in the AL East would only play other team, like each team in the AL East and then cross divisional rivals with like the NL East. So they're not going AL East, AL Central, AL West. They're going AL East, NL East. Um, and then the possibility of explaining the pl- expanding the playoffs to 14 teams. So those are the pieces that it seems like they're more in agreeing in agreement on. Now it's just the length of the season, how much the players will get play, paid and exactly what kind of expanded playoffs there may be. Yeah. I wonder if there would be like wild card games where it's just, sorry that may not even be what they're called <laughs> are they called wild card games what are they called where it's just you know basically a play-in game where it's not a series in baseball i uh, it, it's wild card I've, oh it gosh. is well hold on I don't, I don't know as soon as i said that i was like i don't think that's right it's been too long <laughs> we have it's it's just been way too long but yeah, I, I wonder if it would be something like that. Just, you know, not even a series. Just, all right, here you go. Here's your shot. Yes. You're, you're a low seed. Good luck. It, it is a wild card where the f- the fourth seed plays the fifth seed. And the winner of that will then move on to the divisional series. So this past year, it was the Athletics and the, and the Rays on the AL side the winner of that would go on to play the Astros on the national league side. It was, uh, the brewers playing the nationals the nationals interestingly enough went from the four seat on the national league side all the way to win the world series. Yep. So they went from that play in bracket all the way. They to had win. to play the play in. Yeah. And then they won the whole, the won the whole tamale, the whole tamale. Um, but yeah, wild card divisional championship then world series 
I promise that baseball is my favorite sport. <laughs> I think I think that's been confirmed. Um, yeah. So one last thing before we move on to football, because we have just one more sport to talk about. Because there's news on all these fronts. Little League, my my little Tigers. We uh, we got our updated schedule this morning. Return to play for Lubbock Little Leagues. We have. I, I don't know if you remember me telling you when we got the first schedule way back in March, I was super nervous because we were going to be legit the very first game out of the gates. Monday night, the games were starting. We were the first game, six o'clock. I was like, of course, because I felt most unprepared. We got a little bit of grace. We are the second game. now. Oh, (laughs) good. We don't play at six o'clock Monday night. We play at eight o'clock. Um, the problem is since we pushed the schedule back and we're going to be playing a 12 game season instead of 14, not that big of a deal, but we're going to be playing June 15th through August 1st instead of March 27th through May 15th or whatever it was going to be. We've had a lot of players and parents be like, you know what? It's too hot. I didn't sign up to play summer baseball. We've got travel plans, whatever. My roster of 13 has dwindled to eight. Michael, how many players are on a baseball team? Nine. I checked. Mm -hmm. So one, it's T-ball. So it's not that big of a deal. But if we have all eight of our players actually show up, we're still going to be a man down at every game. Now they will allow us to play with eight players. The problem is eight is the maximum number of players that I'm, I could possibly have because the other five said, I've got other plans. I don't want to do this, whatever. It's not, it doesn't bother or concern me or whatever. Like I, it, it doesn't hurt my feelings that they decided not, not to play. It just made my sure. life as the manager just a little bit more difficult. And I, I've been trying to stress with them because the league is, is opening this up like, Hey, we understand roster sizes are going to be a little smaller to accommodate for this. We're going to create basically like a transfer portal, a waiver wire that if your team needs players, you can ask any team in your division if they have players that want to play on your team for that particular game. So say I have eight players on my team Two two parents say, Hey, we're not going to make it tonight. I'm like, great. Well, we can't play with six, but I can say, hey, coach of the team that just that plays before us, do you have two players <laughs> that want to play another game? Because there there are some kids that love playing and they, they don't really care. They'll, they'll play it, you know, as much as they can. So I, I have to do this juggle every game to make sure that we have at least eight players. Otherwise, we're going to forfeit every game Um, well that doesn't sound nerve-wracking at all no and the the problem with it is 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 that i'm i'm down to eight so anytime i have a player out i have to be on the phone calling up other coaches and like hey you got any kids that want to play now the good thing from the league they used to have a limit that said you know 
players on your team can play for other teams if needed as a substitute. But they were still held to a, you can only play three games a week for the player. They've eliminated that and said, basically your team itself will be playing three games a week. If the player wants to play in more games, that will not be counted against them. So there's that. We we don't have to worry about trying to juggle that too. So if Grayson wants to play on another team to help out and play more games, he definitely can, and it won't be counted against him. And at this division, so there's basically no limit on that, right? Right. And w- with his division, there's no, no, no such thing as like number of innings he spent as a catcher, pitch counts, or anything like that. that. That's not a thing. So he can really just play however many, however many games he wants. Um, for the team that is accepting a substitute, they have to be added to the bottom of the batting order. So you can't be like, he's a really good player. I'm going to lead off with him. <laughs> you can't do that. And you can't be like, he's really good defensively. I'm going to put him at first base. Can't do that either. They have to be at the bottom of the batting order and they have to play in the outfield. So, oh my gosh. Okay. That's a lot to remember. Anyways, little league for us back on schedule. Our first game is Monday night, the 15th. I'm still not sure how many players are going to be there, <laughs> but we have games. Um, and I told my parents like, Hey, not my parents, but the parents of the players on my team is like, I absolutely have to know who's playing, who's going. Yes. You can't, you can't leave all that up to the very last minute. So I have a team app. I have the schedule on here. P- players can RSVP. For the name or for the game on Monday, you want to guess how many players are going? Have so, six. Have, have have RSVP'd so far? Six. I'm guessing six. Two. <laughs> is one of them your son? Yep. And one is the other assistant coach's son. <laughs> it's gonna be a mess. So but, everyone's downloaded this app and they're really using it. It's great. Well, they typically do. Like they're responsive on the messaging side and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. Anyways, Little League. We're excited to get this back and going. My experience with Little League this summer may be fairly stressful since I'm going to be at or below the threshold of number of players basically every game. Every time out, we'll be like scrambling for players. Whereas there are other teams in our league that drafted 13 players and at the coaches meeting on Sunday said, I've got 13 committed yeses. Like you SOBs. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, With that whining, let's talk about some football. takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks the tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go. 25-10. Touchdown, Red Raiders. Davis Webb, the freshman. Screen. Underneath Derek Ward. Breaks the tackle. Still running up the sideline. Turns on the juice. Touchdown. So Harrell in the shotgun. From the 28, the throw goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He plays. Oh, he's the worst. Red Raiders. Unbelievable. Red Raiders. Michael Crabtree has done it. 
Let the scoring begin. So I think the biggest thing to start off, I think we say that, I say that with every new topic, um, was that Athlon Sports released their preseason Big 12 rankings or teams. What one player or position do you think Texas Tech always has on one of these preseason rankings, Michael? So like I'm going to go I'm going to go with quarterback. You know what position Texas Tech does not have on this list? A quarterback. I'm, I'm going to go with quarterback. <laughs> now, so this publication did four teams, which is a lot, but then when you kind of break it down and say they're looking at the four best quarterbacks or the four best running backs, it's like, oh, well, that makes sense because there's some teams have multiple running backs or receivers, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, um, Texas Tech does not have a quarterback in the top four, which is probably one of the first times that's happened in a long time. Um, now, their top four quarterbacks, I think we can debate whether or not we agree with it. Uh, I think it goes Ellinger's on the first team, Purdy's on the second team. Uh, the true freshman from Oklahoma is on there somewhere. Hasn't played a snap, but he's already the fourth best quarterback. And then Charlie Brewer from the the Bears, from Baylor. Brewer and Ellinger are about the only two that I'd... I mean, Purdy didn't really impress me this much last year. Well, he's, he just has really great games against Tech, and that's always like just a bad, <laughs> so bad who, taste in my mouth. Who doesn't, aside from that kid from at Oklahoma State? He was like the only one that didn't. Seven sacks. Like a third of his entire season sacks came one day. Um, yep. Brewer didn't have an, a, you know, a particularly good, game, good day against Texas Tech. He just had the benefit of a, a fumble returned to Baylor. In overtime, yeah, of course. No one had a good day as far as quarterbacks go <laughs> yeah. during that game. But players from Texas Tech on these four teams include on the first team, you have three players. Offensive line, Jack Anderson. Defensive end, Eli Howard. And punter, Austin McNamara. The thing about Austin McNamara, we talked about like one of your best players being a specialist. Um, he truly was one of the best punters in the nation as a freshman and one of those things I think because we just haven't had a really good kicker a really good punter I think we undervalue the ability for a player to flip the field and really really change field position and momentum related to field position um, that we just have we've never seen before Austin McNamara kind of showed us that a little bit last year when he averaged what was it like 47 yards a punt yeah, it was pretty sure. So we're we're gonna get that for three more years. Knock on wood that he's healthy and well enough to do that. On the second team, running back Sir Roderick Thompson, uh, another offensive lineman center Dawson Deaton, and linebacker Rico Jeffers. Is there anybody so far that we talked about that is under or overranked, or are we completely missing somebody that should be on on the first or second team? I don't feel super slighted. Uh, you know, I, I think it's great that Sir Roderick Thompson made the second team. I, I feel like that's a good, a good place, you know, as good a place as any in these that, type of rankings. That that to me kind of feels a little high. 
No, he, he was really good. That's, that's, I'm not. I'm not saying that, but like, it's unusual to have Texas Tech have a running back listed within the top four of the conference because I think they listed two running backs per team or per preseason All Big Twelve team. So at the very lowest, Thompson could be the fourth best running back. That's not typically where you would put a Texas Tech running back. Because no, especially one that was, you know, he didn't get all uh, the majority of the snaps last year that I know of. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Henry probably got, well. He got a bunch. No, Henry Sh- got more. Shine he? got a bunch. And Shine. Until he got, got hurt. hurt. I think the thing with, with Thompson is that he showed like flashes of power, flashes of like just incredible balance um, where he was able to avoid tacklers or just break tackles. But yeah, I, I, I was surprised to see a Texas Tech running back listed as second team all Big 12. Yeah, um, you know, as Ukonma third team, that feels about right. The thing that I'm not surprised with, but I'm just disappointed, is TJ Vasher being on the fourth team. Yeah, you know, you, you, kind of one of those things that you know, I, I get it, I get why he's there, but it just seems like he's got the tools and the ability to set himself apart. And I don't know if it was because of the new scheme or or what, but he he has not lived up to expectations really the last two seasons aside from a handful of games um, at the beginning of 18. Yeah. You would expect a senior receiver at Texas tech to not to be, you know, to be higher than fourth team. Cause it's not just that he's a senior, but he's going to be a senior starter and multi-year starter. And he got, he passed up by a true sophomore. Um, other players on that fourth team, cornerback Adrian Fry, and then place kicker Trey Wolf, who I think was like 20 of 21 on field goal or something. Like he had a really high percentage, but also yeah. didn't kick a whole lot. But still, when you miss. And was a freshman. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, let's look this up really quickly. It's a red shirt freshman. Twenty of twenty-two, so just under ninety-one percent on the year. No blocked, long of forty-five, which is not like not super stretching the field, but I would think any, anything forty-five and in at a college level, you should be like, yeah, I've got this. And then he did, um, yeah, I, the majority of the kickoffs too. He did seventy-two of them. For a total yardage of four thousand three hundred thirteen yards, well, like what? What? What point is counting total yardage? <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. And and to go back to talking about McNamara and how effective he is as a punter, our guy who used to go by Bullies of Broadway on Twitter, but now he's he's changed his his uh, hander to handle to Tech Hoops guy. He called his shot today. 
Oh. And said that Austin McNamara will be the first tech punter drafted since Maury Buford in 1982, <laughs> which is some interesting trivia. I had no idea that tech ever had a punter drafted. That's, that's, yeah. I, one, it's rare to see a punter drafted anyways, but. Yeah, he's, he's claiming it. He's, he's on it. What number did McNamara wear? I can't remember. I'm trying to look I up thought his. it was a single digit. We just scrolled right past him. Who knows? I, I was trying to pull up his his um his stats. Thirty one. I was wrong. Thirty one. Yeah, I would not have guessed a punter word thirty war thirty one. All right. Because I, I I gave you a number to make sure I was correct. This year he averaged. 45 yards per punt on 59 punts. He's, he's legit. One of tech's best players, which, you know, like it's great to have a really good punter, but also kind of sad that your punter is one of your best players. Yeah. I mean, think of how much it sucks to play Texas when Dixon was there. So just hopefully we can, we can have that sort of same, same vibe. Oh gosh, here comes McNamara. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh man, we're gonna get pinned deep <laughs> on our own three yard line again. Yeah. All right. The other thing I wanted we wanted to touch on, um, we had a little second wave of junior college commits for the twenty twenty recruiting class. These guys will be coming in or already on campus or soon to be on campus. Uh, three star defensive end Josh Davies Bolligan. Uh, I've heard, heard him also just refer to as Josh Davies, 6'4", 240, coming from Butler Community College, originally from the Metroplex. Um, and then three-star safety Cameron White from Northwest Mississippi Community College, 6'1", 195. The thing interesting about Cameron White, I think coming out of high school, he had offers from both Ole Miss and Alabama. I think there was a eligibility issue where he committed to Ole Miss, but I think had to go the junior college route and then has ended up with Texas Tech. So both these guys... Yeah, that's definitely promising. Yeah, both these guys are going to be here for whenever the team assembles. I think they are uh, coming back starting Monday, the 15th. Uh, the thing we've got to be careful with is like we've seen with the basketball program, if we are going to have, you know, organized team activities that we do it safely, that we can minimize risk and all that kind of stuff, make sure that players are remaining healthy and avoid some kind of widespread outbreak within the football program. But also if it's going to happen, let's go ahead and do it now in June and July, then in (laughs) August when we're getting ready for fall camp. Sorry about you. <laughs> All right. So one more thing I want to talk about, Michael, um, or another thing, 24 seven sports, uh, did their 2020 football predictions about te- where teams would finish. And Texas tech was picked to finish 10th. For those keeping score at home, the Big 12 has 10 teams. So, 10th is last. 
tenth is behind Kansas. And and, and here's and not even like here's what they and not even like just go behind ahead, Kansas go ahead. at nine. It's um, Kansas at eight, then West Virginia at nine. West Virginia was awful under first-year head coach Neil Brown. And then Texas Tech. Well, the it's it's interesting. They did the 24-7 guys. You know, who can blame them? They um, devoted, I don't know, a thousand words to OU in Texas and then kind of lumped their – let's see the remaining six or no, the remaining five kind of in a few paragraphs. And then they lumped the three bottom ones in one paragraph. And here's what they said. The three bottom teams are interchangeable, but Kansas offense is on track while West Virginia and Texas tech left a lot to be desired last season. Tech's receivers are stacked. Are they? And West Virginia's group was young, but the edge goes to the Mountaineers at quarterback. Really? Uh, Kansas hasn't finished eighth or higher in the Big 12 since 2008, but I'm going with my gut and the tremendous coaching job of coordinator Brent Deerman. The Jayhawks pull off a pair of upsets and climb out of the cellar in 2020. Ouch. So to to use some like some analysis that Michael Labar shared in our Slack chat, Texas Tech was a few fluke plays or fluke turnovers away from winning eight games this year. So looking at Texas Tech and saying, okay, so they won five games. Now everybody's don't have the benefit of a full spring practice program, probably have an abbreviated summer workouts, maybe an abbreviated fall camp. You're not going to really grow on that. And you've got uncertainty at the quarterback position. Yeah, sure. Let's, 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 just kind of project that Texas Tech is not going to be progressing. You lost some key players on defense, namely Jordan Day, Jordan Brooks, um, but also like you know, th- there were several games where you were close to not just totally blowing it. Like you know, Kansas when you blocked their last second field goal, and yeah. you had a, a return set up. And your returner fumbled the ball back to Kansas with just enough time for them to kick one more time. So it wasn't technically a last second field goal, but had you blocked that and retained possession, probably would have played for overtime. Um, uh, what, what, what other games am I thinking of that we had some weird, fluky stuff happen? Did you mention Baylor already? We did when we talked about Charlie Brewer. Yeah. Baylor, you could have um, won that game. And the thing with that one is like just the cascade of momentum that could have propelled or just upheld you um, following that. Because I think you lost to Iowa State the following week, and it was more of a letdown than like you just got beat. Yeah, somehow made a game of it, though, I think. I think Tech went down pretty bad early at halftime but clawed back a little bit to make it interesting and then yeah not quite enough yeah, you lost to Arizona but you know you, early on 28 14 uh, you had a, like a, a string of turnovers at like back to back to back both sides um, then you went into Norman 
and got pounded by the Sooners. Then you upset Oklahoma State. And then you lost in overtime to Baylor. And then you lost to Iowa State the following week. Uh, it was 34-24. You were at home. Then that the next week you go up to Kansas, you lose that game. You beat West Virginia pretty good. Then you lose to, to TCU. Um, you lose to Kansas State. And then Texas puts a pretty good whipping on you. So, yeah, I mean, realistically, um, you could have, should have won that Baylor game. So there's six. Shouldn't have lost to Kansas. That's seven. TCU, you were within two points. Probably could have won that game. That's eight. That's not including the letdown against Iowa State or your three-point loss versus Kansas State. You are you are being extremely optimistic right now. Right. So I'm, I'm saying like <laughs> you, you, you could talk yourself into saying a not very good Texas Tech team was in 10 games that season. Probably, possibly yeah. had a, a realistic shot at winning nine games with a not very good team, including an upset over Oklahoma State. I think that was something that a lot of people were surprised about. But then you had more negative upsets, if you will, by losing to Kansas, losing to TCU, losing to Kansas State. Yeah, the Oklahoma State thing is kind of was kind of a fluke in the other direction. Mm-hmm. Knowing what we know now, oh for sure. <laughs> um, the West Virginia game, while it wasn't close, they legit scored a, a touchdown within like as time was expiring, basically. So you, you would have beat them thirty-eight ten. You beat them thirty-eight seventeen. But anyways, yeah. Um, so nowhere to go but but up. In terms of uh, 24-7 preseason projection for the Big 12, you can perform to expectations and finish 10th, or you can overachieve and finish 7th, 8th, 9th, 6th, 5th, top half of the Big 12. Is that possible, Michael? No. Wow. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and shut it down then. <laughs> just, just go ahead. Just go ahead and uh, just unplug it. Unplug it. Start over. Yeah. So, is there anything else football wise you wanted to touch on? Yes. Quickly, just before we move to questions, I, I had to mention. I had to mention our, our proud, our proud son. Well, I don't know if he's proud. Never mind. I think I'm using a terrible couple of words there we're proud of our son pat mahomes that's what i'm trying to get at uh he's he's been in the media a lot lately he's using his voice wisely and and well and i know that he's got goodell's ear and it's it's surprising a lot of people how much influence he has in the league um he's the face of the league being an mvp super bowl champion super bowl mvp all of it you name it he's checking all the boxes uh, just, just, uh, just a real proud dad over here. Swell, swelling with pride for my boy. That's all I wanted to say. Shout out Mahomes, go Chiefs. 
go Chiefs indeed. Um, you, you know who I'm I'm excited for, or what about the Chiefs excites me from the draft is that they picked up LSU running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Well, that's a whole dimension to their to their offense that that could uh, that could enhance things slightly. I mean, it's not that they had bad running backs, but no, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was pretty dang good at LSU. Other thing is, Mahomes is about to get paid, so they probably have to make some space on their roster. <laughs> their their salary yeah, cap. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you yeah. Know, you pick up some some. Let's, go, let's get contracts. a let's get a draft pick in there. They don't cost quite as much yet, and especially not a running back. They're yeah. fairly cheap these days. Alrighty, so I'm not actually seeing any questions. Let's just move on to what we learned. All right, so let's let's first start on Ozark because it's something that we're both into right now. I I started the third season finally. Um, I am most of the way through the season. Let me pull it up real quick. Um, I'm about to start episode eight. So eight of 10. I've got three, oh, man. three episodes left. Yeah. So quick observation in these first seven episodes what I've noticed is yes there is some graphic violence and gore but it seems like that has gone way down this season and I, I don't know how, how much you've watched of the first or any of this series at all so first let me ask where are you at I have finished season one and I have only watched episode one of season two okay so um just from like first impressions, like yes, there, there is still some, some violence and gore, but like, like I said, I, it's not, it's not so much in your face. Like I felt like the first two seasons, I I, I wonder like how intentional that was that people were like, Hey, you know, that's too much. Yeah. The, the first season, especially episode one, do what? Especially episode one. Especially the oh, episode pilot. one is intense. Yeah, the the first season, it's it's it seems like it has stretches where it's pretty rough, um, and then it'll it won't be that bad. But then all of a sudden, it really ramped up the last episode or two. Uh, you had people getting electrocuted. <laughs> you had people getting tortured for information by. I'm sorry, I, I don't even want to say, but by pulling toenails off with a pair of pliers. Oof. Yeah. And, and I mean, it definitely, it's, it's such an odd show. It just, it just throws you in. There's only one flashback episode in season one where you kind of learn the genesis of some of this stuff, but it just throws you in head first. Like, here's what's going on. Try to catch up. So I'll just offer that the, the language is still the same, if not maybe a little heavier language now, but um, maybe what they're setting up for in season three is just like an onslaught of violence and gore at the very end. 
<laughs> well, that's kind of what season one know. did. It seemed like it was it, it started off really hot and heavy and then it calmed down a little bit. And man, episodes nine and ten were intense. Yeah. Um, so because you, you're just now starting season two, I won't really say anything else. What, what, what is your your take on it so far besides it just being intense and it throws you in without much context or are you enjoying it? Are you going to watch the rest of the series? You just like, eh, I kind of get the, the gist and I'm, I'm not like committed to it. Or are you like, I have to watch all three seasons. I, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and watch it because you know, it's just three seasons and I can do that. And I've already, I've already knocked a third of it out, but it, it, I found myself captivated in a couple of episodes that really grabbed me. I think anything to do with Ruth and her family pretty much is interesting. Um, Marty, I, I still don't understand how he's laundering all this money and not getting caught. <laughs> Basically, um, the, the, you know, the guy that talks really into the snails, oh, that Jacob? guy, yeah, that does the heroin, and he, he's like a... He doesn't do the heroin, he grows the poppies for the heroin. He grows the poppies, but he's but he's a, he's like a hillbilly Socrates, basically, <laughs> the way he talks. He, he, is, he is pretty philosophical. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's some characters that you can tell that they were written like, ah, oh, this is going to be it. This is going to be somebody, and I'm just annoyed by them most of the time. So, and they're no one's that, predictable, which is, I guess, is fine. That makes for interesting television, but it's also kind of like, good lord. <laughs> so that <laughs> anything can happen. That annoyed by the character for me is actually Snell's wife. Darlene. Oh yeah, both of them. I don't care for either the the, the whole Snell Enterprise. I'm, I'm not a fan of I understand you know why they're angry and why they do a lot of the things they do but I don't like them I don't like that's the other thing I don't know if I like anybody on the show there's there's not really any likable person on the show the FBI guy is beyond is it Evans likable I don't even know or is that the black I just know that he's partner? he's like a man child trying to prove himself or something. I, I don't understand. I don't like him at all. But, I mean, Ruth's kind of likable. Her, I tell you what, her cousin. I think Wyatt. Wyatt or, or three? I don't know enough about three yet. Okay. He's he's barely around in, in season one, but, but Wyatt I like quite a bit. Okay. And I believe <laughs> I, I, I believe Wyatt is the same actor that's also in Stranger Things. The older, the older male character that's not like part of the the four boys, but not the older brother from season two or three, or whatever. I, I can't remember his name, and I'm probably mixing it up. But no, no, no. It's it's not the same guy. Um, let me see. They look very similar, but it's not the same guy. He was Joe Keery is the actor on Stranger Things. Yeah, Charlie Tahan is the actor on Ozark. Ah, okay. They just look a lot alike. Right, and I think he was in... There was this show... 
that I watched randomly because I swear I recognized him. Wayward Pines. That's it. That's what he was in. He was um, Matt Dillon's son in Wayward Pines. That show that ran. It just ran two seasons. He was it also shouldn't in have a, ran two. He was in uh, I Am Legend. Yeah, I wouldn't. Hard I to wouldn't remember that, but I, I recognized him from Wayward Pines, which makes sense because I think he filmed. He started this like right after that, so he looked about the same age. So yeah, it, his time doing um, I Am Legend, he would have been nine years old because he's only twenty two. Charlie. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he would just been a kid anyways. So not the same guy. Look awfully similar. Steve Herring and Harrington. Yes. On stranger things. Yeah. Hit the actor who plays him. His name is Joe Keery, not Charlie Tahan who plays Wyatt in Ozark, but season yeah, they three definitely have a, I think they definitely look a lot, a lot alike. Anyways. So you're, you're going to, you're going to, follow through but not because you're like hooked in that you're just kind of like I might as well yeah I'm just kind of um, you know the sorry I mean the spoilers for everyone not for you but I'm interested to see how the heck he's going to get this casino going um, if he's going to and I'm interested in the cartel side of it because some of the people he's dealt with are no longer around and who's, who's going to emerge out of there that he's going to now start dealing with. Uh, I, I still just don't, it's just a really hard concept of a show to buy into that. I, I don't know that these, these guys all of a sudden decide to start laundering money for a cartel. <laughs> so the the thing that gets me, and I, I don't know how this, this like logistically works, but if you pay attention to the credits, every episode has a different director and a different writer. Well, Bateman directs a lot of them himself. Maybe early on, but that that's not, that's not the case at least in two and three. And the thing like hmm. the, like it, it feels like having continuity in those two positions, the director and the writer would kind of help smooth things out. You get a good storyline, but like there are times when it definitely feels disjointed. Like, Oh look, there's a new writer this episode or there's a new director. Like who is that person? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, just, they're, they're just coming up with stuff. I, I don't it's know. One of those quirks it's, about the show. Like I, I I'm, I'm, if you watch the credits, like basically every, every episode has a new director and a new writer. Except for Bateman, who does some of the directing yeah. early on. Well, when when I started, you know, I was looking for a new show and I put it out on Twitter, either this or Yellowstone, or should I just rewatch Justified again? Because I really like Justified. And Yellowstone's Ozark really good. And so I'm, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to live up to that. And also <laughs> mainly because Ozark's. I already have Netflix and I'm not even sure how I'd have to watch Yellowstone because that's on Paramount TV or something. And I have yeah. that on Hulu, but I don't know if I have access to that series. Actually, I'm not sure if I have that on Hulu. That may have been when I had sudden link. Ugh. Anyway, that's, that's my Ozark update. I'm sticking with it, but I'm not really sure why, how, how any of this has started and how it's still going. And, 
why I'm supposed to like any of these people. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm at the point where I I'll watch these last three episodes unless something like drastically changes. Of like, yeah, I'm probably gonna be done with Ozark. I heard it got better. That was what someone convinced me. They're like, you know, this show somehow got better as it went. I'm like, oh, well, all right, okay. Maybe season two <laughs> is better. I mean, I, it's probably better than season one. They just, they just like. I'm not as as hooked into trying to figure out like how how are they doing what they're doing. How are like. I don't want to say anything that would give anything away, but like the motivating factor, how do they get themselves out of this? How do they avoid this? You, you know, that kind of thing. It, it just kind of like, it just feels like, Oh, look, the FBI is here. How is Marty going to get away from him this time? <laughs> oh, look, how is the FBI so apt? <laughs> They they all they all say that they know what, what that that he's doing it, but they can't ever arrest him. Oh darn! Mm-hmm. He's gonna keep doing it mm-hmm. for three more months right in front of them, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, that's kind of see that's kind of that's kind of where I see it going too. So oh well, I, I think I'm on board. It's it's interesting enough. Also, you you had Harry Potter in the notes. There is something that we. We're both, I guess, back into Harry Potter. Samantha has decided uh, she wants to watch less TV, especially on the weekends and especially on Sunday. Um, so we we do like games and puzzles together as a family on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And while we're doing puzzles, she has the audiobook of Harry Potter playing. So we've been listening to the first book of Harry Potter as we've been working on puzzles. So I've started rereading air quotes, rereading Harry Potter by listening to the audiobook. Oh, well that's pretty cool. That's a cool idea. Uh, I've wanted to, I, I started reading these in April for whatever reason. And, uh, I just finished the fifth book. So I just finished order of order of the Phoenix, just barely started half blood Prince. And this whole time I keep thinking, I need to stop and rewatch the movies and catch up to where I am reading. And I have not done that. And I don't know when or if I will, but at some point I will rewatch the movies again. And I think the way I may do that, I've recorded a lot of them on Hulu, but it's going to take me forever to watch them because it makes you watch the commercials unless Mm -hmm. you pay 10 extra dollars a month. (sighs) But anyway, um, I've recorded all of them except the first one on Hulu. That one's not streaming anywhere currently and so the only way I, I think i could watch that is take advantage of the hbo max seven day free trial and then i could watch whatever i wanted on there so all of the harry potter movies they're part of the warner brothers uh properties they are on hbo max so if y'all ever decide to venture into rewatching those movies that and if you don't have them that may be the way to do it Helpful. Just sign up for Max for a couple of months or or whatever, however long it takes. <laughs> There's only eight movies. Just power through it, man. Yeah, just power through it, really, because by the time you sign up for it for two months, that's thirty dollars. You might as well have just bought the Blu-ray set, <laughs> which I think for eight movies would be more than thirty dollars. Let's go. Well, I know. 
that's true but you get to watch them again so anyway the the books have been they've they've been really interesting um i really liked prisoner of azkaban and probably Goblet of Fire quite a bit. Order of the Phoenix is kind of tough just because they keep Harry in the dark on so much. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't know anything what's going on until the very, very end. And so you don't really know what's going on as the reader either. And that's just kind of frustrating. But I guess that's the point. You're supposed to be frustrated too. <laughs> but anyway, it's... I'm, I'm just... I barely remember anything that happened in the movies because my wife and I binged them about four or five years ago over a summer. So I watched them all successively pretty close. And so I vaguely, I vaguely remember anything. So reading the books is just, it's practically brand new. Yeah. For those interested in, in the box sets, you can get it for, on DVD for 40, Blu-ray for 50, 4K for 130, and multi-format <clears throat> for 220. In case you know, you had to have s- several different versions of watching this. Well, you know, we got to be prepared for the future. <laughs> yeah. All right, Michael, is there anything else we want to touch on before we wrap it up this week? Nah, man. I think I think we covered all of it. We didn't miss a single thing. Doubtful, um, but yeah, for another week closer to professional sports restarting getting closer and closer, at least the big three. Uh, you know, we've already got NASCAR going, which is strange. They just like quietly up and started their season. Like, Oh look, they're racing. Hmm. Uh, golf, I think is picking back up starting with the match from a a few weeks ago. They're going to do some non fan attended events. Go forward from there. And I think they're, they're talking about micing up the players too, after how much people like that. They should match. That was good. Uh, UFC playing in front of empty or not playing, uh, competing in front of empty arenas, that kind of thing. And then you got MLB, NBA, the NFL getting pretty close. Um, but yeah, so I, with that, I think that'll do it for us this week on the 23 personnel podcast. Uh, next time we'll get you a, an update on how little league's going. We should be two weeks in, should be even closer to all these sports getting started especially the nba but for michael i'm spencer we'll catch you next time thank you for listening to the 23 personnel podcast and sharing our fandom for the texas tech red raiders you can connect with us on twitter at 23 personnel spencer at punts suck and Michael at Michael underscore LBK and find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. <laughs>